Amen. Oh, boy. I'm glad to see you all here tonight on a Tuesday night. Tuesday night, election day. Did you all vote? All right. I hope whoever you voted for wins, if they're supposed to. But uh, I've already heard uh, Governor DeSantis in Florida was reelected. That's our governor. And uh, Marco Rubio was elected. That's our senator. I'm glad for those two. And I hope everybody else uh, has who they feel or the Lord wants them to be in. All right. Good to see you. Good to have Wagon Wheel again. Uh, my friend Jeff Sudo is here with Kay and his, and his daughter Jessie. And they're, they're just here. And we've known them for a long time. We met them there in Guam at Family Baptist Church in Guam out in the South Pacific. And then they moved to Baguio, Philippines. And I had meetings at Victory Baptist Church there several times when they were there. And now at Wagon Wheel. So praise the Lord. So the three churches, the last three churches they've been in, we've had meetings in their church. And so Jeff, uh, Jeff works at the gold mine. And they pay him in gold dust every week. Just, 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 anyway, we appreciate Jeff and Kay. Appreciate all you wagon wheels. <laughs> Lots of wheels over here. It's all right, so next week, next week is Wagon Wheel Baptist Church, and we're all going over every night. Amen. All right, wow, I, I pray that's true. But uh, I'm glad that uh, Wagon Wheel's coming here, and all your people are here, is that right? All right, good. <laughs> Amen. We're having a great time. We really are. We had a great, wonderful, blessed time there in the home of John and Rose today for some ribs and enjoyed that very, very much. And good fellowship, good swallowship. And so we were just continuing with the Baptist theme song, God be with us till we eat again. And so, but it's been great. We, we love the fellowship and the food is fantastic, but we do love that fellowship and that time to get to know at least several families in the church more intimately. All right, so we're going to have a message tonight on the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus. We've already looked at his teaching ministry Sunday morning and Sunday night. And then, uh, where did we go last night? (laughs) That's right. All right, John chapter 10, shepherding ministry of the Lord Jesus. And tonight, get ready and fasten your seatbelts. We have another facet of the ministry of the Lord Jesus. But before we do... I think we ought to hear from somebody else. What do you say? All right, Grace is coming to share with us another of her sacred recitations. So Lord bless you as you share that with us. The one she's going to do tonight is uh, very special to me because it is, it is literally my testimony. And as you hear it, perhaps you'll say, that's my testimony as well. If it's not your testimony, it certainly can be. And that's what we want you to know. So listen carefully, and we will just have this and then get into the message. I walked life's path with an easy tread. I followed where comfort and pleasure led. Until one day in a quiet place, when I met my master face to face. With station and rank and wealth for my goal, I cared much for my body and none for my soul. I had entered to win this life's mad race when I met my master face to face. I had built my castles, reared them high till their towers pierced the blue of the sky. I had vowed to rule with an iron mace when I met my master face to face. I met him and knew him and blushed to see that his eyes full of sorrow were fixed on me. I faltered and fell at his feet that day while my castles all crumbled and melted away. Melted and vanished and in their place I saw naught else but my master's face. And I cried, O Lord, prepare my heart to follow the paths of thy wounded feet. My thought is now for the souls of men. I've lost my life to find it again ever since that day in a holy place 
when my master and I stood face to face. Have you come face to face with the master? That's the question. Religion won't get it. Good works won't do it. You have to have a personal encounter in a a costing of your soul by the Lord Jesus that you might be saved and born again. So let's pray together. Father, now we come to that most important time of the preaching of the Word of God. Lord, the music was great. How we appreciate these musicians and those who sing for us and play. We think of this recitation and the message. But now, Lord, we pray and focus our attention upon our lovely Lord Jesus, the common denominator which brings us all here tonight. We thank you, Lord, for those who are born again, who are saved, who are heaven-bound in this room. And if there's any who are not sure of that, that tonight would be the night of their salvation. We pray, Father, for believers tonight that you'd strengthen us, encourage us, strengthen and, and, and revive. We pray, Lord, your will would be done. In Christ's name, amen and amen. I'm taking you now to Luke chapter 17. As we continue each night in a facet of the ministry and the life of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And here tonight, we will have his cleansing ministry. Now, most of you know that I was saved in the United States Air Force when I was stationed at Kadena Air Force Base, Okinawa, Japan. It was September 19, 1976, when the Lord Jesus reached down to where I was because I could never reach where he is. And the Lord Jesus saved my soul that night, coming out of Roman Catholicism, coming out of a deep life of sin, and just was radically, dramatically changed. I got saved Sunday night. The next Sunday night, I was baptized. Two months later, God called me to preach. I knew nothing about what preaching was, but I knew God had called me. And so I began working with the missionaries trying to reach Japanese with the gospel. I couldn't do a whole lot. And I could stand on the street corners with gospel tracks and busy, busy street corners in Japan. And Gumanisai, Dozo Yandakudasai, excuse me, would you please read this? And I say that so many hundreds of times, that's why I still know it. But uh, trying to reach Japanese. And then the missionary said, we are going next week, next Saturday, to the leper colony. The leper colony. We're going to evangelize the lepers. Would you like to go with us? I said, yes, I'll go with you. And so we're going to hand out gospel tracts and give out baked goods to these lepers. And so we arrived at this leper colony. It kind of looked like a motel. Because in all these separate little doors and every leper in there gets a little compartment, you know. And, and so this is an experience. And, but I'm not sure I was ready for what I was about to see. Because leprosy is a degenerative skin disease, and it just takes everything. And so we knock on a door, and a lot of times it took a long time for them to answer the door because they have no toes or no feet. And then when they open the door, you see this hideous, grotesque face. The ears are gone, the nose is gone, the lips are gone, all eaten away by this disease. And then when they're going to reach out to get your gospel track or your cookie, whatever, and the little, little stubs reach out and took them because their fingers and basically their hands were all eaten away. And it made a, a lasting impression on me. So I have a little bit of background to talk about these ten lepers that we find here in Luke 17 for the cleansing ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord now is making his final trip to Jerusalem. And I'm doing these things chronologically, but we find now the Lord is going to touch and change so many lives. He's on his way to Jerusalem to attend the Passover feast. It's the third feast of his three-year ministry, and this time he will become the Passover lamb, slain for the sins and the sinners of the world. And on his way to the cross, he's touching and changing lives. And we're going to look at some of those in the remainder of this week. And here we find now the Lord Jesus is making his way eastward. Luke 17, 11, And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. 
And if you know the geography of Israel in the first century, you have Galilee in the north, you have Samaria in the center, and then south of Samaria is Judea. And of course, you know the Samaritans and the Jews had no dealings together. And so when you're going to go from Galilee to Jerusalem for the Passover or for Pentecost or Tabernacles, the three feasts that the Jewish men were required to attend every year, you would never go through Samaria. And when the Lord said in John chapter 4 to his disciples, I must needs go through Samaria. Man, those apostles were all nervous. Samaria? They'd never been through Samaria in their lives. No Jew would go through Samaria. That'd be like a Jew today going through Gaza. You're not going to make it out of there. The Jews hated the Samaritans, the Samaritans hated the Jews, and so you'd never go the direct route. You'd go east, east, and cross the River Jordan on this highway, which was right on the border of Galilee and, and, and Samaria. And so you're traveling, you cross the River Jordan, you go down south now through what was known as Decapolis and Perea. And then you cross back over the Jordan, into Jericho. And Jericho is the great staging area. We'll talk about that more tomorrow night and and, and Thursday night. But the Lord Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem, to the Passover, and he's on this highway. Verse 12, as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers. I do have an outline tonight, an outline of D's, D-D-D, three D's. And so the first one is the leper's description. The leper's description, they're lepers. I gave a brief description earlier. But did you know there are two full chapters in the Old Testament dedicated to leprosy? Leviticus chapter 13 and Leviticus chapter 14. Leviticus 13 actually describes the disease. And these men were full of this disease called leprosy. And the leper starts very, 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 very small. Leprosy starts as a little small patch on your skin. But that disease is degenerative. And as that little patch begins to grow, it spreads. And as it spreads, it corrupts. And this dreaded disease of of, of leprosy will will take your your ears, your lips, your your, your nose. It'll take off your fingers and toes and all the extremities. And then it goes inwardly, kind of like a melanoma. And then it begins to attack your major organs, which causes these great pussy sores to appear all over your body. And so when you see a leper in the final stages of that disease, he's got all of those pus-soaked sores wrapped up in linen cloths, and he's got this grotesque face and hands and feet. And so it's a disease that starts small, it spreads, it corrupts, and it isolates. Because once you were determined to be a leper, declared unclean by the Levitical priesthood, you are now separated separated from your family, separated from your occupation, separated from any kind of service in the temple or a synagogue, you were isolated for the rest of your life. And the only future you had was death. And you're going to die alone in a leper colony like the one I visited. Leprosy in the Bible is always a picture of sin because it has the exact same characteristics The leprosy of sin starts oh so small at conception and at the birth of an infant child. And again, you can hold that little child in your arms and say, biblically, you're the cutest little sinner I've ever seen because that child is full in the heart of the leprosy of sin. And as that child grows, the leprosy of sin in their soul continues to spread, and as it spreads, it corrupts. The leprosy of sin spreads and corrupts the mind, the mouth, and the manners, and literally will eventually destroy that life 
That's why we do believe in child evangelism. We believe that if a boy or girl can be saved, the younger they can comprehend and understand and receive the gospel, the better it is because when they get the cleansing ministry of Christ, that sin will not spread and corrupt like it would have if they hadn't gotten saved. Young people, you need to be saved. You need to be saved now. Because if you're not saved, that leprosy of sin in your body is spreading and growing and corrupting. By the time I was 20 years old, my life was absolutely corrupted. And some of you know what I'm talking about. It doesn't take long to get absolutely corrupted. My life was a mess. Praise God, he changed it. The Lord changed my life from a mess to a message. But 20 years, I was absolutely corrupted by the leprosy of sin. So glad I got saved when I did. And so these 10 men are lepers with that description. And they're standing afar off. And they're standing afar off because that was the legality. If you're a leper, you cannot mingle in with society. According to the Levitical law, you have to stand a certain distance away. And if the wind was blowing, you had to stand even further away, lest some molecules that the wind picked up from your body might hit somebody because it's very contagious. And so these men are standing afar off. They're in their leprous rags, but they had a desire the leper's description of the leper's desire. And they lifted up their voices. Why? Because they're standing afar off. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Can you hear them with their voices lifted up? as they're standing afar off according to the law, and they see the Lord Jesus and his entourage of apostles and others on that road heading for Jerusalem, and they appeal to his person, Jesus. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Matthew one twenty one. The word Jesus, or Joshua, or Yeshua, is... Savior, Savior, Jesus. They appealed to his person. They appealed to his position. Master, we believe you're the master. We believe you're the Lord. You are Mashiach. You are Messiah. We appeal to you and to your power. Have mercy on We believe that you are the Messiah. We believe that you have the power and the authority and the ability to cleanse us from our leprosy. Why do they cry out like that? Well, obviously they cried out like that because they recognized their need. And they could just sit on the hillside with all their leprosies. (laughs) We don't need Jesus. No, they recognize their condition. They recognize their need. And you know, many of us know, that you can't have the cleansing ministry of the Lord Jesus if you don't recognize your need of him. You're full of the leprosy of sin. It's growing, it's spreading, it's corrupting. And it will isolate you in the lake of fire forever. You're going to be isolated from God, from anyone you knew, from anything that is holy, righteous, and good separated, isolated for all of eternity because that leprosy of sin was never cleansed. You need that cleansing. These men understood their need. They understood that they had a disease that was incurable. They were standing on that hillside. The only future they had was death. That disease is going to kill them. And they realized they were helpless and hopeless do anything about it. But here's one who gives us hope. Here's one who has the miraculous ability to cleanse us and set us free from this degenerative disease that is going to destroy our bodies. And so they cried out unto him. Why did they call out? Because someone on an earlier occasion 
had shared with these lepers who Jesus was and what he could do. Obviously, these men knew exactly what to say to him because someone has instructed them. You know who I believe that someone was? Personally, I believe it's this guy back in Luke chapter 5. Let me read you his account quickly. In Luke chapter 5, and verse 12, it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy. Notice that wording. A man full of leprosy is in the late stages of the disease. He, he would have been absolutely sickening to look upon. He's about to die of leprosy. And all of his extremities are gone and he's pus soaked rags. And he, oh, what a sight he must have been. But notice what it says. It, it, it came to when he was in a certain city. Jesus in a certain city. Behold, a man full of leprosy who seeing Jesus fell on his face. Of course, this man's not supposed to be in the city. Jesus is in the city preaching and teaching and now entering into the city is this man full of leprosy. He's violating the law. Any moment these crowds could, could, could see him. Oh, it's a leper! It's a leper! And they pick up stones ready to stone the guy. But he doesn't care. This is do or die. If I don't get to Jesus, I'm going to die anyway. So if these people stone me to death before I get to Jesus, that's all right, because either way I'm going to die. But he makes his way to the Lord Jesus, and he falls on his face, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. You can cleanse me. If it's your will, I know you have the power. If it's your will, you can cleanse me. You can make me clean. And he, the Lord Jesus, put forth his hand and touched him. Oh, the crowd. The crowd is going bananas. They're going berserk. Ah, did you see that? Jesus just touched a leper. For you to touch a leper is defilement. He just defiled him. How can he be the Messiah and, and touch a leper? He's defiled. The Lord Jesus is God. Amen. He's God in the flesh. He can't be defiled by anyone or anything. He is absolute purity. But the Lord Jesus reaches out with his hand and touched him, touching and changing lives and saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately... It wasn't a lifelong process of being religious or getting baptized or good works. Immediately the leprosy departed from him. What a beautiful picture of salvation. The moment you make your way to the feet of the Lord Jesus with all of your leprosy of sin and you said, if you will, you can make me clean. You can cleanse me. You can save me. You can heal me. And he said, I will. He can say that to anybody here tonight. I will. And he reach out and touch you and save you and cleanse you. And I believe it's this guy who goes back to these other lepers. You can imagine when he shows up now, all whole and all healthy, and he goes back to his leprosy friends. And he said, hey, it's me, it's me, me." <laughs> No, you're not Shloimi. Shloimi has no nose or lips or ears. Shloimi's in the late stages of leprosy. Shloimi's about to keel over dead. You can't be Shloimi. I am Shloimi. Is it really you? Yes. What, what, what happened? And he begins to give the account of how the Lord Jesus reached out and touched him and cleansed him and made him whole. If you ever, if you ever hear that Jesus of Nazareth is passing through where you are, you better call out to him because I know what he did for me, he can do for you. And isn't that our testimony? Isn't that our testimony? Amen. Come on now. That's right. I was full of the leprosy of sin. My drinking buddy gets saved. The guy used to get commode hugging drunk. That's what we call it. Is that what the Marines called it? That's what the Air Force called it. <laughs> Let's go get commode, hugging drunk. 
my drinking buddy gets wonderfully, marvelously saved, and he begs me to watch his believer's baptism. And there I went to Maranatha Baptist Church that night in September 76. Went there full of the leprosy of sin, but I left there cleansed. Amen. I left there so radically, dramatically, miraculously transformed by the person and work of Christ and the grace of God. I've never been the same since. And I've made it my life's goal to let as many people know about the one who saved me, the one who cleansed me. What he can do for you. What he did for me, he can do for you. That's the witness and testimony that we should have. Very powerful testimony if you have a radically changed life. And so these ten lepers are now calling out to the Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. We know what you did for the Luke 5 leper. Well, we're the Luke 17 lepers. We want what you did for him. And so the lepers desire. And when he saw them, verse 14 of Luke 17, And when he saw them, obviously he took notice of their cries. And he'll certainly take notice of your cries tonight. He'll take notice of you tonight. If you were to say tonight, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me, I guarantee you, you'll get his attention. I guarantee you, he'll meet you right where you are. Doesn't matter what your background is, how much leprosy of sin, how much sin, how how many skeletons in the closet. He loves you and he wants to hear that from you. And he'll see you. And he'll hear you. When he saw them, he said unto them, very simple. Here's what he said. Go show yourselves unto the priests. I mean, it's interesting. Luke 5, he reaches out, touches the leper, and immediately he's cleansed. He doesn't go over to the ten and touch them. We all have different testimonies, don't we? The Lord doesn't actually work the exact same way. With every single sinner, every single leper. And in this case, he just makes this command, go show yourselves unto the priest. That's it. He says, what does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm fixing to tell you. See, in, in Leviticus 13 is the description of leprosy. In Leviticus 14 explains what you do if you have a leprosy, if you think you're healed of a leprosy. Leviticus 14 describes going to the Levitical priesthood. You see, the Levitical priests were not just instructors and teachers of the law. They were the county health department. They were the center of communicable diseases. And if you thought you had a leprosy, you go to the closest Leverite city. There were 48 cities Throughout Judea and Galilee, 48 cities that you could go to where there will be Levites, where there will be a health department. And, and you would go to one of those 48 cities and have the Levites examine you. And they'll look at your skin, and they'll isolate you, quarantine you for seven days, and they'll look at it again, and they will then make a determination. You are a leper. And from this point on, you have to shout, unclean, unclean, if anybody ever comes near you and you're going to be separated and you're going to be corrupted and you're going to be isolated. And if you thought you might have a healing of leprosy, you go back to those Levitical priests and you let them examine you again and quarantine you again. And this is what the Lord Jesus is saying. Go to the closest Leverite city. There's 48 of them. Go to the closest one and present yourselves to the Levitical priesthood and let them examine you. He's asking them to take him at his word. Do you believe me? Do you believe that by the time you get to that Leverite city that you will be healed? Faith is simply taking God at his word. Romans 10, 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Lord is saying, will you put faith in my word? Go to the Levites. Believe me, by the time you get there, you will be healed. And the Bible says, it came to pass that as they went. You know, they could have said, 
Nothing dealing, Jesus. You heal us first, and then we'll go to the Levites. But all ten had the faith in his word to believe that they could make their way and be cleansed before they got to the Levites. It's a great demonstration of faith. Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, there's the faith. They were cleansed. They were cleansed. All ten of them cleansed. Miraculously cleansed. I'd love to have been there. I would have loved to see the look on these faces as all these ten are looking at each other. And all of a sudden, boop, a nose comes back on. And ears come back and lips come on. Say, look, look at you, Judah. You've got lips again. Well, look at you, Benjamin. You've got ears again. And all of a sudden, their feet are I got hands again. And now they're dancing with jubilation. What a meeting that was. They watch each other miraculously. Their things are coming back on their body, and the sores and the pus are all dried up and gone. They're absolutely, completely cleansed and healed by the power of the Master who did have mercy on them, who wants to have mercy on you and me. As they went, they were cleansed. And nine of them in great joy, with great new health and strength and ability to walk and run, Go running, bounding over the hills, heading for the Levites. We're going, to be, we're going to be declared clean again. We're going back to our families. We're going back to our jobs. We're going back to the world. And then you know how the story develops. Not only the leper's description and the leper's desire but one leper's dedication. One leper's dedication. And one of them. The other nine are long gone. One of them. When he saw that he was healed. Can you imagine looking, looking at yourself? You realizing that you're absolutely whole and healed and healthy strong again. He saw what the power of the Lord Jesus did in his life. He turned back and with a loud voice. Why a loud voice? Because now he's further away than he was when they were up on that hillside wherever they were standing afar off. And perhaps now the Lord Jesus is just a dot on the horizon. Barely see him, perhaps, because we don't know how, how far these guys got before they were cleansed. <laughs> Maybe it was right away. Maybe it was a little while. And so there's a dot on the horizon, and he begins to praise God and glorify God. With a loud voice, he glorified God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And he's crying out at the top of his lungs. But that's not enough. It's not enough just to praise the Lord from afar. And so he makes his way to where the Lord Jesus is with new health, new strength. Can you see him now running? Oh, he hasn't done that in years. Running to where the master is. In verse 16, he fell down on his face at his, Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Giving him thanks. You know, two weeks from now, it's Thanksgiving. So I'll give you an early Thanksgiving message. This guy bowed down and gave him thanks. That's my Thanksgiving message. Short and sweet, hey. What a message. He bowed down on his face. My wife recited face to face. And he gave thanks. You know, one of the prophecies about the second coming of Christ since we sang I'll fly away I'll... Second, second Timothy 3 2 you know one of the prophecies of the times in which Christ will come again is unthankful That's right. That's 
out of this whole list of negativism, of negative prophecy, the condition of men's hearts and their attitudes before the Lord Jesus Christ comes again, God in his holy writ puts in there unthankful. And many, many people are unthankful for what God has done for them. How they can live in a backslidden condition. How they can think the things and why we say the things and do the things we do. When we have been redeemed and cleansed and saved and heaven-bound, obviously as believers we choose to sin against our Father. How unthankful is that? And so he's giving him thanks. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? I believe that echoes now through the corridors of time. As the Lord sees modern, contemporary, convenient Christianity here in America. When he sees the materialism, when he sees the attitude of so many born-again believers today. So were there not ten cleansed? Didn't I save more than this? Where are the nine? Where are the nine at 9.45 and 10 o'clock for Sunday school? Why do we have this big influx at 11 o'clock? Can you see the Lord standing here when it's time for Brother Tucci to teach his class? And there's just so few. The Lord Jesus standing there with Brother Tucci saying, Didn't, didn't I save more than this? Where are the nine? Where are the nine on Sunday night? Where are the nine at Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study? Where are the nine when it comes to soul winning and visitation? Where are the nine when it comes to tithes and offerings? Where are the nine when it comes to living a godly, holy, righteous, separated life from this world? Where are the nine? Still echoing. The Lord's voice is still ringing it out. Were there not ten cleansed? Didn't I save more than this? Where are the nine? You see, tonight you're either with the nine or you're with this one. If you examine your life and your Christianity, and praise God for this Tuesday night crowd, but we even look around and say, where where are the nine? Man, we had a really good-looking crowd here Sunday morning. So I know, please, I know some have legitimate conflicts. But if they could come, would they come? I don't know about you, when I was pastor, the, the, the revival week was a highlight in our church year. <laughs> we looked forward to it all year. I had an evangelist usually twice a year. I had him in the spring and fall. Then I had another evangelist come in and do our VBS. So we really had three evangelists a year. Of course, I was an evangelist pastoring a church. What do you expect? <laughs> but where are the nine? Where are the nine? Where are the nine? And may God speak to our hearts tonight. Psalm 29.2. Give unto the Lord the glory. Do unto his name. And worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. This man fell down with a loud voice, glorifying God. Glory to God. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. I'm wondering how many of us as born-again, blood-bought, heaven-bound children of God are giving God the glory due unto his name. He deserves this. He deserves it. You know why? You know why you're here tonight? Because God is worthy. <laughs> He's worthy you be here tonight. Right. Revelation 4.11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Do you know that we exist for the pleasure of God? Right. I hope you young people are hearing me. Young people, young ladies, young men, you're not on this earth 
to see how much you can accomplish or how many digits you can get in your salary someday. Well, I'm heading for a great big salary. That's not why you're on this earth. You're on this earth for one reason, to give honor and glory and praise and, 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 and to please your creator. Amen. So the question is, does your life please God? Are you with the nine lepers who are long gone? Yeah, all of them got cleansed. They all had the faith to believe for their cleansing. But only one lived a life that brought glory to God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do to the glory of God. Do you live a life that gives God glory? <laughs> Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Are you living for God? Is the Lord God of heaven and the Lord Jesus on the top of your value system? <laughs> Every one of you have a value system. Every one of you parents are handing a value system to your children. Is God at the top? Is Christ at the top? Is the local church there? Flowing out of your value system are your priorities. Why is it that it's just for some people, it's not a priority to come to Sunday school? It's not a priority to come back Sunday night or Wednesday night. You know why it's not a priority? Because it's never been part of their value system. They have never ascribed that kind of worth or value to the God of heaven. Something else, something else has their attention or their attraction. Something else is at the top of their value system. Maybe it's education, maybe it's recreation, maybe it's sports, maybe it's career, maybe it's something else that robs God of his glory. Are you with a nine or are you with a one? First Corinthians 15, 10 By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed on me, was not in vain. I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. I love that verse. I love it. I am what I am by the grace of God. I'm just a sinner saved by God's grace. I was full of the leprosy of sin. I was heading for a devil's hell. And if God had chosen to snuff out my life before I got saved, I would be in hell and I would deserve to be in hell. And so would you. By God's grace, he saved me. And Paul said, when God dispensed his saving grace on me, it was not in vain. Don't ever let the grace of God be in vain in your life. Don't ever take for granted what God has done for you if you're a saved, born-again child of God. Don't ever take it for granted. Don't ever get used to it. Jesus, God, come in a human body, died for me, paid the penalty of my sin, shed his blood for my cleansing, rose again from the dead and offered me freely by his grace the gift of eternal life, and I'm saved today. Don't ever lose sight of it. And I do, I do, I do. I say before God, I marvel that I'm saved. Why me? A billion Roman Catholics on this earth, and I was one of them. Why should I be saved? Why am I not still with those billion there doing all of their stuff? <laughs> all of their ritual, all of their works, all of their traditions that they've put on the level of Scripture. All of their Mariology and all of their canonized saints and all of their candles to get people out of purgatory. That's where I was. Why should God bring people into my life? Why would he give me the opportunity to hear the saving gospel of Christ and then miraculously save my soul and cleanse me of my leprosy? Why? Why me? I preached to Buddhists in Cambodia and in other countries, Vietnam. In Thailand, I preach there among all these Buddhists. and There are millions and millions of Buddhists. I look at them in their heathen darkness and I want to cry out, Why me? I preach to Shintoists in Japan. I preach to Islamic people. 
I preach to animists in Africa. And I see these billions and billions and billions of people in their heathen darkness and their blindness and their deadness in their ignorance. And I cry out, why me? Why would I know these things? Why would God save a sinner like me, a leper like me? I never want to take that for granted. I don't. I literally and genuinely thank God every day for saving my soul. For the Lord Jesus who died in my place, paid the penalty of my sin, satisfied the righteous demands of a holy God for sin, for me. And I think about Matthew 7, 13 and 14, where the Lord Jesus said, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few, few there be that find it. Out of the billions and billions of people who have walked this planet all on the broad road heading for destruction, the Lord Jesus said very few proportionately will be genuinely saved and be on the narrow road that leads to life. Are you some of the few? Amen. Thank you. Are you some of the few that Jesus said would be genuinely saved and be on the narrow road that leads to life. If you're some of the few, don't ever forget what Christ has done for you. Don't you dare be with those other nine. If you're some of the few, remember that's too rare, too rare and too precious that you should be some of the few Jesus was talking about. So don't live a life that gives God the leftovers. Now, when it comes to food, I like leftovers. Sometimes they're better than the firstovers. But it comes to spiritual things. Don't you have that kind of life where you're so busy and you got classes and you got sport and you got all these things? Well, if I have any time left over in my day today, I might read the Bible and pray a little bit. If I have time left over because I'm a busy dude. You know, and I'm going to get my paycheck, and I'm going to deposit it, and I'm going to pay my bills. I'm going to the grocery store and load up, and I'm going to put my gas in at five bucks a gallon. <laughs> and when I got a full tank and a full pantry and, and paid my bills, if there's anything left over, I might put that in the offering plate Sunday, if there's something left over. Do you know that many Christians live their life that way? Well, I got revival meetings last Sunday all the way through Friday and wagon wheel too. (laughs) They expect us to go there next week. (laughs) Well, you know, if I have a night, if I have a night left over, I may come to the revival meeting. (laughs) If I have a night left over. (laughs) Oh, my stars. (laughs) That's the way a lot of believers live their lives. I look at some born-again believers, forgive me, and I don't want to get the holier thou and the Pharisee thing, I'm better than this guy. But I look at them sometime and I think, did these guys answer a classified ad in the paper? <laughs> you, know, you know, God put a classified ad in the paper. Looking for believers, full and part-time positions available. <laughs> I'm serious. And they said, well, Lord, what I really wanted was one of those part-time positions. I really didn't intend that I'd give you all. I'm not going to give you all. I'll give you some. And maybe a week or two, I'll give you most. But I want a part-time position. Don't don't look for me Sunday school, Sunday night, Wednesday night. That's that's for those full-time position people. I just want to be a part-time Christian. See, they never say this with their lips, but that's how they live. They don't, they're fooling anybody. They're certainly not fooling God. So don't be a leftover Christian. And don't be a, what I call just-in-case-it's-all-real Christian. 
And again, never say it with their lips, but this is how they live. Just in case it's all real. Just in case the Bible really, truly is the Word of God. And just in case that Jesus Christ really did leave the glories of heaven, take on a human body, go to the cross, take my sin upon himself, paid my debt, and rose again. Just in case that's all real, I'll come out Sunday morning. But just in case it isn't, I got other things I'm doing Sunday night and Wednesday night. Don't don't look for me. Sorry, Brother Tucci, don't look for me at 10 o'clock. It's not that real. You know, just in case it's all real, I'll put a little token offering in the offering plate. But just in case it isn't real, a lot of things I want to buy. <laughs> Come on. You know, just in case this is all real, I'll live on the borderline with the world. <laughs> just in case it isn't real, there's a lot of worldly things I enjoy out there. And this is how some live. Just in case it's all real, I'll just do so much so people think I'm saved. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. But just in case it's all real, Christians, when are you going to wake up? Sometime in your Christian experience, I'm praying that this is all going to click someday. Jesus Christ is absolute reality. If he's not absolute reality, if he's not truly, truly real and real in my life, then I'm going back in the world and get everything I can get. I'm going for the gusto. If this is an absolute truth, if this isn't the absolute, inerrant, infallible words of God, and Jesus Christ didn't actually go to the cross, I'm going to get everything I can get in this world. But if it's true, and it is, and if it's real... And it is. Why don't I give him everything? Why don't you just surrender everything? Why does somebody believe just hold back this and hold back that? If it's absolutely true and real, then surrender everything. (laughs) Take one of those full-time positions. How about you? I refuse to live in a neutral zone. It's either absolute reality or it isn't. I'm not living somewhere in between. So get out of that neutral zone if you're there tonight. And I know Tuesday night I may be preaching to the choir. But I tell you what, if it fires me up, I hope it fires you up. So are you with the nine or are you with the one? That's the question. And if you're here tonight, you're still full of the leprosy of sin. It's growing, it's spreading, it's corrupting at this very moment. If you're not saved, you're not cleansed in the blood of Christ, you're not a child of God, you're not a saved, born-again believer, right now as you sit there, that sin, that leprosy is spreading and corrupting. It will eventually destroy you and send you to hell. If you need to be saved, would you be saved tonight? If you're a believer and you have been with the nine and you confess to God tonight, Lord, he's right, I've been with the nine. I just wanted one of those part-time positions. I give God leftovers. And and I do live the just-in-case-it's-all-real Christianity. Would Would you repent? Would you let God do a work in your heart tonight?